In this episode of Amanda's Journey, we dive deep into living intentionally with Victor Robledo. I remember coming across Victor and his family in December of 2021. My wife and I, we had just finished a trial separation, and we wanted to take our relationship with ourselves and with each other and our family to the next level. And so my wife threw out the idea of, hey, let's live in an RV, let's full-time RV and let's travel. And I immediately jumped on board. I said, you know what, let's just do it. And then we found Nomads with a Purpose. And Nomads with a Purpose is uh, Victor and his family uh, who've traveled the country, traveled the world, living intentionally with everything they, they do and being connected consciously with their self and with each other and for Victor, him and his wife, Robin. And I got to know Robin a little, little bit as I shot questions back and forth to her and just a great family. So I'm excited to go deep into this. And I really encourage you to just focus on what comes up for you when we talk about living intentionally, being connected with self and being connected with other. We also go into masculinity and fatherhood and how that has evolved over time and things that we can do uh, to get back to the basics. Uh, I love, love what Victor has and his message and look forward to sharing that with you all. Hey, good morning, Victor. Um, so as I mentioned before we jumped on here, uh, you and Robin kind of influenced my family in the decision to full-time RVing. And, and so this podcast brings a lot of special, um, special meaning to me because I want to get, uh, get this story of yours out into the world. Um, take me back to the time about eight years ago when you decided that, hey, we're going to full-time RV and we're going to try this, this, this out. Okay. Um, well, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, excited anytime to show stories and meet other people of uh, other like-minded people sort of in the industry on their own journey as well, because oftentimes you'll make these decisions and you'll, you'll feel quite alone. <laughs> and it's nice to know you have community that you can reach out to someone like, Hey, what, what do you do about this? So that's, it, it's really nice to be on. Um, when we first started full-time RVing, it was actually a very unique circumstance. We had been, at that point, we'd already been running our business for almost 15 years, brick and mortar. Um, we'd been homeschooling our kids. So we're already sort of outliers to begin with. And we began questioning um, really what we wanted and how we wanted to live the rest of our lives. Uh, both Rob and I are the oldest of all of our siblings. And so we encountered inside of us, we have always done what we was expected. Good. Uh, Robin, I always think more so than, than, than myself. I always had good grades, uh, participated in sports, married very, very young. Um, we're 21, 22. Um, and you know, you had a mortgage payment, a business, cars, a big house with the pool. This is it. We did it. And then you're thinking to yourself, like, why do I feel like garbage all the time? I'm absolutely. And especially for me, I had quite a bit rolled up and always feeling great because I was a personal trainer. I started as a personal trainer when I was 19 years old. So that sort of led up to the point you start to have the brick and mortar, have lots of kids, 
Um, we found out we lived in Chula, uh, well, we lived in San Diego, but a specific city, a part of the city called Chula Vista. And so we had to commute oftentimes to work. And it started off really easy. Robin discovered that she really wanted to camp more. Growing up, it's always ironic. I cramped once in my life. So there was a lot of irony in that now I essentially all I do is camp. <laughs> and we had people in our business that were like, wow, Victor, you camp now? And I'm like, yeah, you know, who knew? <laughs> just didn't have the exposure. So what ended up happening is we found we bought an RV. It was actually a class A. And because I worked in Coronado, California, this beautiful place, the Silver Strand campground sort of became this home base. Robin would um, spend the week, um, she'd book a campsite and she would just take the kids to the campground. I would commute from with very close from work now, five, 10 minutes to the campground in between our sessions, in between my sessions of clients or in between my sessions of teaching gymnastics. Um, and little by little, I told myself, well, we're always here, right? Why don't, why don't we just move to the beach? And she's like, that doesn't make, you know, responsible sense is what she said. I'm like, look, we've been doing this a long time. I, the heck with sometimes being responsible. Let's just do what feels right. And I remember saying, let's just move to the beach. So we moved to the beach um, in the Coronado case. And we rented a home there, rented our other home for a while. And two years later, um, the gal who we were renting the house from, I wanted her home back. So we had this two-year stretch, which essentially I was working extra. Now, this was actually after I'd gone through a significant amount of adrenal fatigue and had my own sort of awakening and point where I was encountering anxiety, depression, um, weight gain, hormonal imbalances, gut imbalance issues, all insomnia. Uh, I had all sorts of issues associated with that and what that ended up doing is creating a, a sort of a lighting a fire under me and figuring out like what is important to me I am the man of this family um, I essentially put myself in a hole physically and emotionally and we can come around come back to that um, and what kind of led into that because I think um, I've encountered a lot of men who are struggling and they struggle quietly. At any rate, um, going back to what I was talking about, after two years, she wanted that. Now, at that point, we'd already been camping significantly. We'd taken a couple road trips um, up and down the coast, but we still have very little kids, much like yourself. As you can realize, you're like, all right, we're going on a trip. Drive 30 minutes. All right, we changed our location. Yes, we did it. <laughs> As you're fine, it's going to be like, it's a different thing, but, but it is what it is. And you go, okay, this works for us right now. Um, and we watched the movie. Have you ever watched the movie Surf Flies with Doc Pasquitz? I, I highly not. recommend it. So I, I highly recommend So I highly recommend it. Um, Doc Paskowitz uh, is a surfing legend in um, California. Uh, he's a, originally a doctor from Hawaii who was encountering um, high levels of anxiety and depression. And they said the hell with it, sold everything, started traveling up and down the coast of California. He would just work uh, when he was essentially running, uh, run out of money, proceeded to meet a uh, uh, Mexican uh, gal and they proceeded to have nine children, eight boys and one Ooh. girl and they tra yeah, yeah, and they traveled in a camper, right, truck and camper up and down the coast unschooling and uh, 
uh, and we watched this movie and something kind of resonated with me. I'm like, well, it makes, makes a lot of sense, but I don't know if I could do that. So as this gal wanted back her home, she, we decided, Robin asked me actually, he's like, Hey, why don't we just not rent something right away? Let's just, let's just try full timing for three months. And I'm like, at that point we had a class C um, and it was probably our third iteration of, of RV at that point. We had adjusted a little by little, especially depending on your, the type of travel you want to do and where you want to go. Um, again, potentially another subject. I always tend to steer people like, well, what do you want to do? What's the goal? And so when we were about to do this, I was like, look, we're not, if we can't get in all the national parks, I want to see all the national parks. I want to get in, be able to crawl into some of the smaller spaces. So we chose a 28 foot class C um, and that, that vehicle still with us. And we full-timed with that one or for three months. And at the end of that three months, we came back to San Diego. I hired some help to run the business and summer's always incredibly slow um, in Coronado. Everyone's on vacation and they're all taking their own trips. So it worked out beautifully. Got back from that trip and I look at my family. I look around the campground where I'm, I remember vividly being in Bryce Canyon National Park and I'm looking around the campground. I'm like, they're so happy. Now I'm encountering my own challenges. My own demons had been working their way out. And I could feel that building up inside of me, these little programming, like you're a piece of garbage, you're not a good father, you're not providing, why aren't you working harder? I have this underlying programming that's been nagging at me, nagging at me, but I'm like, you know what, I'm going to figure it out. And so I look at them and I'm like, hey, why don't, why don't we, I look at Robin and I say, why don't we just keep going? You guys are so happy. I'm going to figure it out. And that's where we decided to go full time um, after that trip. And so we got back and we just started adjusting campgrounds and we, we'd never look back. And that started off with a three month intention. So I always <laughs> tell people, if you do it for a short period of time, because you're, that you're so time rich. And like, to me, I did not spend that much time outside. So even that for me, having the clarity space and perspective as an adult father, husband, man, starts to give you clarity but you're so in the grind and that's what we've been taught to be in the grind you don't have that perspective to know what do you really want and so that's kind of a quick synopsis of how we started full timing a few little key ingredients and the what we did and what kind of catapulted it but um yeah that's it (laughs) yeah no so a lot resonated there for me you know like i i me and you are very similar people, right? My wife, uh, so she's into big into Enneagrams. And uh, so she, her and Robin are both Enneagram eights. So like, they're like, okay. stri- they're driving away, right? Um, right. And so, you know, when I, when I think about when I transitioned myself to full-time RVing five months ago, when you talk about being time rich and the clarity that comes with, you know, just being present with your family, being out in nature, it really has you evaluating where you are at as a man, as a father, husband, et cetera. Right. And so right. I want to, I want to go dive right into what you said. You talked about adrenal fatigue. Can you tell me what is adrenal fatigue and then how did it affect your life emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, so on and so forth? Yeah. And adrenal fatigue, 
you know, uh, the medical complex, it's really, really interesting. So I don't want to get too much too politicized and what hospitals and doctors are essentially doing to us right now. But adrenal burnout, adrenal insufficiency, no doctor will have the problem with that word adrenal insufficiency, or even adrenal burnout, but they will have a problem with adrenal fatigue. Oh, adrenals don't get fatigued. Essentially, it's a burnout. Um, overstressed, underrested, overtrained. Um, the quality, the, the symptoms associated with adrenal fatigue are, as I mentioned before, anxiety and depression being one of the biggest ones. But you know, problems with hormone, uh, pr- hormone problems, gut problem, gut, uh, gut intolerance, food allergies, uh, brain fog, um, really, really huge. And so when I was in my mid thirties. Um, 34, 35, um, almost 12 years ago, I went through one bad. Now at that point, if I quantify it, it's so interesting because if looking back to it, if I had said, come into your office, even right now, I said, Alex, I feel like garbage. These are the issues that I'm having. Um, And you asked legitimate questions like, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. So my name is Victor. I have this many kids. Um, they're all this ages. I get disturbed sleep patterns. Check the little red flag goes off. Okay. What else? I'm like, well, I have a, my own business, which I've owned. It's very successful. I work Monday through Saturday, 6am from 6am to 7pm. Check. You'll write that one down and go, man, dude, you're overworked. What do you do for activity? Oh man, I love heavy weight training. Check. Like you could easily start piecing together. And then if you went even deeper um, and, and decided to ask questions associated with previous trauma, previous potential issue, issues associated with mindset that might impair your ability to deal with stress, well, I got that too. Uh, you know, I was really badly sexually abused for a, it's really difficult because I think I have a lot of mental blockages that I'm only now uncovering. I, I think it was in the neighborhood of five years in my youth and so what it does is our primitive brain and and i believe you 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 uh do quite a bit of um you talk a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder as well right and so so some of these things will will potentially uh, resonate with your listeners but you know your brain gets a little wired to to always be in a state of alertness hypervigilance you know these are terms that that associated and i have a fair amount having worked in in coronado california i i can uh, honestly said that some of my closest friends are uh, ex-teams guys and so I've seen it I've seen it and don't stop at the stop sign don't stop at the stop sign I'm like okay no problem we just roll it baby let's roll hit it <laughs> and um and some of that comes from from obviously experiencing certain things in your life that your body that your body can't shut off uh, whether it's being in war but some of it can go even back even further because the vast majority of our stress reaction is developed between that sweet spot of five and 10. So when I start dealing with people with anxiety and depression, when I'm working in my own coaching, I'm like, Hey, let's go back. And they'll sometimes want to like, Hey, is that that important? I'm like, yes, it's important because your brain learned how to deal with stress at that age. And so for me, I was, when I was going through that adrenal fatigue, it literally felt like I was that five-year-old, five-year-old boy. And I happily, I was looking back, I was so happy that I had a commu- open communication with my wife because I was able to share it for the first time in great detail. Like, hey, I've never told you the depths of this stuff. I feel like I need to because I feel like I'm in some ways reliving it throughout my 
day and I'm teaching a gymnastics class, just grinding my teeth and just white knuckling it. Like what the heck is going on? Of course I went to, to the hospital and they just wanted to put me on Xanax and I took my first Xanax and going like, I can't, I don't even drink. So like Xanax put me on my butt. Like I was like, I can't do this. And they want to put me on antidepressant. I'm like, I can't do that. Um, and so adrenal fatigue is kind of a wide, uh, has a wide scope that it affects and stress can permeate essentially into every bodily system and start to break it down to the point that you're, you, you can go to a doctor and they say, well, I can't treat you for all of this, but I can't treat you for the anxiety and depression. And so mid thirties is when I went through that. It probably took me a full two years to sort of put my life back together. Um, and with the help of Robin, I did it completely naturally. And that back then there was only the beginnings of, of treatment for this. And the vast majority of doctors, even to this day, will tell you adrenal fatigue doesn't exist. But like I said, adrenal insufficiency does. Um, and, and post-traumatic stress disorder does. And a lot of it is because, you know, they want to treat a symptom and not the root cause. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, when you do your research, you see that, uh, the medical system and we won't get too much into it, but it's, it's all about money, right? (laughs) Well, what can they charge you for? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one thing that I, I align with you, my, my family lines with regards to like holistic, taking care of yourself holistically and, and, and working out and eating right, right. Food is medicine and things of that nature. I want to ask you, how is RVing full-time RVing helped you with your adrenal fatigue, helped you with brain, you know, we, we highlighted a little bit at the beginning there, but how has full-time RVing helped you with adrenal fatigue? How has it helped you be more present with your wife and your kids? Where is that taking you? Good question. Um, I think, so I had started to recover from that significantly, but I had a few programming problems and still encounter some of those challenges. You know, making, I I had a brick and mortar for 20 years, um, working as a health and wellness coach. I identified myself a little bit more as a health and wellness coach at this point. Back then I was like, I was a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach. As I evolved into into full timing, uh, it became more of a shift into digital. You know, I do 100% of my job digitally. Well, that's a little tough, man. Like to me, figuring out how to get leads, um, how to work digitally. Uh, there was a scarcity issue that I had to face directly. Like I was like, always oh, scarcity, even though my numbers didn't support it. But somehow in my wiring, I felt like I wasn't enough. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't providing enough. But the fact is, when you live small, you can live big, which you're probably starting to gauge yeah. really soon, right? Absolutely. <laughs> because you're, you're, you're allocating your funds completely different and you're, live, you're essentially... I remember a, a gentleman I met in an RV park, which was, uh, you get to know lots of families. He's like, you know, Victor, we're essentially poor people with lots of options. <laughs> and I, it made me laugh so wholeheartedly when you go, well, I, I guess, yeah, that's, that's a good point. You know, you really can live, live smaller because you live smaller. You're taking pressure off yourself as a man, especially to me, it's, number one importance is that I'm taking care of this family. Number one, even sometimes beyond myself. However, however, this one is critical. If you're not taking care of yourself first, you cannot take care of your, your loved ones the way you want. 
And you will gradually start to feel yourself more and more separated just because of that. Because if you're prioritizing, so you talked Enneagram, what Enneagram? Are you a two also? I'm a, I'm a three wing two. Okay, cool. So we're close enough that, yeah, I'm, I kind of waver. My wings are kind of balanced. So I'll be two with some one tendencies and some three tendencies. Um, so I, I want to prioritize and self-sacrifice myself into a whole, which leaves me feeling very empty. And so being in an RV consistently and full timing has given me the space to work on self, like a self growth that I've never thought I would ever need or experience. And because I have that tendency to self-sacrifice, self-sacrifice, it's, it's given me a chance to sort of reinvent myself. And if you know the Enneagram, like a two in health, a two will grow into a four. So that that quirky dude that I at my root is that loves to train jujitsu, lift weights, listen to old school R and B, like you know all these little weird things that may really make up me. You know, I'll walk in and and my kids will joke around. They'll go, please no more double Dutch bus, please, because I'll just play like there's an old school song that they they uh, they'll they'll uh, just joke around because if I get a whim, I want to now I want to embrace that you know what, I'm playing this. And it, it, there's more presence with your kids. And I coach this all the time because I have one gal who actually last week was like, you know, she's a single mom raising her kid and she lost her stuff on her, on her four-year-old. She just lost it. You know, she was on her phone. She runs a very successful construction company and she just felt like garbage that she was just so upset with herself that she didn't keep her cool. And I go, look, you're only human, first off. So stop judging yourself. You're doing this all yourself. However, you can do more. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, for me as a coach, and you're going into your own coaching realm too, Alex, like we know the goal is a good coach knows the staircase and knows where they're taking them. But you just got to take this one step for me. Take this one step for me. Take this one step for me. And so that, that's where, okay, exercise, take that step, check. Food, take that step, check. All right, now we go a little deeper. Now let's deconstruct your Enneagram and figure out what limitations your core desires are and which ones you're denying yourself. And so full-time RVing has given me the chance, first off, not even, that's a side note, develop this protocol, which is a weaving of in of personal training, nutrition, um, Enneagram, chakra healing, trauma healing, and weave this into this wonderful thing that I now do with really, really amazing people that are ready to like, all right, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and go to work. It's done that. It's also allowed me to give, have that perspective and be present with, with my family so that I don't have these blow up points. We're all going to make mistakes. But at the end of the day, you and I, something could happen. This could be my last, my last podcast. I could get hurt. Something could happen. I could, I could die. And I want to know that I, I did everything in my power to be present and enjoy the moment isn't that rough like like being present how how judged is that you're garbage if you're not you know making so much for your family but i'm like we're absolutely human to hold and embrace your child your little ones be like oh, man i love this creature i want to be present for him i want to lift them up and then also not hand any of our trauma and bring it down the chain to them and, and that's what full-timing has given me a chance to do and show complete vulnerability. Like very few people 
that I know full time have a 22 year old, a 21 year old and an 18 year old still with them doing this. (laughs) It's because there ends up being this division. And so raising a family in this situation to teach them to thrive is, is, is also like, is also a big, a big thing. Be able to be a family cohesive unit. Like that's still like, we're in this beautiful small town of Lander, Wyoming. Um, and we get people stopping us. Oh, you're the big family that's here visiting. Like, because, you know, a group of seven people walking down the sidewalk, I sometimes tell them like, get in a line or something. Cause we just take up so much space. <laughs> At any rate, that's a long description, I'm sure, long-winded, but that's kind of what, what full-timing has given me. Career, family, presence, perspective, what do I want? And I'm still uncovering that, I have to tell you. I'm still, every day, uncovering, like, I want to self-sacrifice for my family. So finding what makes me thrive even higher, that's that's my next evolution. I'm convinced I'm right on the precipice of even more so that I can catapult and talk particularly to more men, fathers, which I think are in desperate need over what I've seen the last 20 years in children. You know, just, I started off teaching gymnastics and first off I was 19. So I was a little weirded out. Robin wanted me to teach gymnastics with her. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'm dating you. Why not? You're 17. <laughs> uh, if I spend any more time with her, whatever, like I was having fun, but because of my health background, I'm like, okay, so I want to teach it this way because I see this is important for kids, health and wellness. And at first it was, I thought it was all about the gymnastics by the end, when I was just about closing the doors, it just seemed like kids just needed hugs there. They didn't hardly see their fathers. And then because it was a huge military town, as you can imagine, deployments um, are very, they're hard on children. They are. And I felt an obligation to say, okay, so I'm not in the military, but I'm going to be a dominant, positive male role model for these boys and these girls. And so they came in high fives, hugs, like, let's do this. Let's train. And of course I usually had all the background of anyone in the military. Yeah. (laughs) Make them work hard, make them work on their physical body, be there with support, discipline, but, but compassion. Absolutely. And that's that balance. Anyway. Yeah. And I, um, I, that question came from me. I was, I'm currently in day seven of 75 hard and I was riding my bike yesterday and I was, so we're, we're state, we're stationed. I say station, we're, we're stationary for the last two weeks um, outside my wife's cousin's house. And so I'm weaving through these neighborhood streets and I, I just, a thought comes to me. I'm like, what do I see? I see disconnection. I see nine to five rat race. I see right. um, uh, disconnection with self, not just with, it could be spouse, could be family. And so when that the full-time RVing, like, that's the thing I love about this is that it gives you that ability to reconnect with yourself and your family. Uh, right. And, and, let, and let's go into that topic a little bit more because you have very successful children. You know, like I, I've seen your daughter, I watched her TEDx talk, you know, it's, <laughs> it's tremendous. Um, a lot of people have this, this belief that you have to go to school Oof, to, yeah. to be successful and and my kids I, none my kids are unschooled um they, they've sure. never been to a institution so tell me how your family's evolved in this in this last eight years and yeah and where where you go with that 
we'll we'll just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so when we made the decision to to start um, homeschooling, it was in part because of our schedule. So it felt really wrong when I sent my son, oldest son Daniel to you know his first days of preschool, and having at that point we had our gymnastics facility. So you send them to school. I'm working with my, in the morning with my clients. That's usually my personal training time. I was working with like six to noon, six a.m. to noon. He gets off of preschool, whatever, two in the afternoon, um, from what I can recollection. And you pick them up, and that's what's about the time all these other kids walk in the door, and you're teaching them. And so you'd be like, "Okay, you're off of school. Okay, come off to the side here because we got to go to work." And I was like, "Oh, that didn't feel right. Like I want to see him. Like, hey, what'd you do? Tell me what you do." Hey, you want to play ball? You want to go? You want to run at the park? It didn't feel right. And at that point, um, we knew a couple families. Um, one in particular that stands out: military family that uh, in Coronado that was homeschooling their kids. And I was like, man, I really like what these kids how they act with me. They're respectful. Um, they have a good amount of spirituality, uh, and they listen well. And they're actually quite bright. So we, I told my wife at that point. She asked me, and you know, behind every good man there's an even greater woman so uh, i i I was fully look i for me it was simple i wanted the most dominant person the biggest influence on my children i wanted it to be their mother that was simple absolutely simple i wanted them to be that and having already worked with kids i knew what kids were like at their at certain ages i could actually I, i i have a mind like an elephant so i don't forget anything i have plenty of issues but i could tell you exactly what each age group had what tendencies i saw um i could even tell you what i saw is the de-evolution of kids activity level what i used to be able to condition them and what happened at the end that's that's the sad one of the saddest things so it's like kids can't even hold a high plank when i opened my brick and mortar they could do 100 push-ups piece them together I was like, we're not in a good place physically with, with, with our children. At any rate, when we started to, so we started to homeschool our kids and each one came along. We started to homeschool them. Now, Robin and I both, Robin had a uh, full academic ride to San Diego State um, and quickly adjusted her major to mainline. I think she graduated in three and a half years and myself, um, a little bit longer. Now I did, there was a significant amount of impact in this in, in our, uh, it was really, really busy time. So I couldn't get classes for a few semesters and, you know, I was having a good time and I was not in the major that I wanted. Uh, and actually it was Robin who I was a business major and these are how eights are right. Um, and this will resonate with you. She actually goes like, why are you a business major? And I'm like, well, you know, my, my parents have these expectations of me. They want me to be a, international business that's garbage he's like you've been training people you work at a goals gym every day you train pure friends you work out every day the guys know you at the front like you should be something related to that I'm like I don't know if I can make a living with that he's like look you're gonna be with me I want you to do what you're passionate about like let's just do that she walked me over walked me over to the kinesiology department and she's like so uh my boyfriend wants needs to be a health and fitness major can you guys take care of that for me Thanks. And she walked out. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I was having a conversation with my wife yesterday. I'm reading a book called The Masculine and the Relationship by G.S. Youngblood. And I was like, you know, I'm having a hard time, um, you know, <laughs> with my masculine in the relationship with a type eight. 
Yeah, yeah. And it is, we could talk, we could probably have a whole podcast on that and how you find that. Uh, because, you know, eights portray that, that hardness, but they're really soft and squishy inside. And they yeah. do it from a place. And, you know, uh, there are certain places where that masculinity is, is certainly called upon, especially as female, like, I mean, something as simple as like, well, you check all the doors, make sure they're locked all right <laughs> gotcha you know or i got i gotta go tinker with something in the rv because by the way where you live that lifestyle you always be tinkering fi fixing something especially as you start traveling I've, I've, I've noticed i've noticed that's, that's part my, of it my kids call me the poop king yes <laughs> hey that's luxury tax homie <laughs> yeah 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 it's, you know I've, I've had so many we haven't even moved that like we haven't traveled that much and i've had so many issues with our toilet system it's not even funny oh no yeah but i mean like you said there's always something it's a great challenge you get to look inward and say hey how can i how can i grow from this um so going going back to where the kids is like we basically so we had a vision for what the goal was we went to college i obviously used some of my um some of my degree you know i was a health fitness and nutrition major but even back then, I remember having issues with the instructors because at that point, I had I got my first weight set when I was in sixth grade. I had I had applied science. I know what worked. I work with so many people that I'm like, all right, this rep range works for this. This exercises work for this. This is how they need to eat. But I got in there and they were preaching another paradigm. And I would be like, hey, you know, this. I would pull an instructor aside, like, hey, what about this? At that point, you know keto and a high protein diet like oh no it, you know have you seen the back of a cereal box that's what you should be eating i'm like i know if i eat like a back of a cereal box i blow up like a freaking cherry like i just blow up <laughs> yeah i'm like i just can't eat that get my bread so how do you explain that and they're like well you're you're lying about your calories i'm like oh okay you actually are you've drinking the juice instead of realizing what's practical and applied is different than what works at any rate. So I, I used my degree to some extent and started to evolve my coaching ASAP as soon as I got out. Robin was like, went from finance to real estate to kind of get herself out as quickly as you can. Graduated early. Uh, her know-how and business has always helped us. However, she's always thought to herself, it was always passion that drove, drove us. So to me, with our kids, it was like passion first. What are you passionate about? If you decide that you need to be a, want to be a doctor, well, guess what? You got to go to college or an attorney. You got to go to college, but that wasn't the goal. And so we had the intention on raising contributing members of society that were passionate about what they did and loves to spend, um, love to take care of their bodies, be passionate about exercise, something that's going to keep them moving. And when we had that little bit of perspective, you kind of, you kind of adjust what you want to do academically now our first two were very traditionally schooled um i mean robin had them pretty daniel and gabby pretty much done by the time they were in middle school so it's like on to better things but what do you want to what do you want to learn what do you want to learn and at that point daniel wanted to to this day daniel loves writing running and uh, you know working out and things like that and so that drives him if he, as long as he has a creative capacity to write now he just knows now that like i gotta get a following like, I can't make a living as a writer until I do that. Gabby, as you saw her TED talk, like she knew what she was passionate about. She, she was her and Robin essentially built nomads with a purpose. And so now she's working on trying to develop speaking gigs, trying to find her way, find like-minded people. So I think as, as fathers, or if you decide to homeschool and unschool, 
unschool, like you need to find out the perspective that you want. Because at the end of the day, this is your life. It's extremely short. And like the, the, the bond that you create with your family, just because you see someone else, like how their family is, doesn't mean that you cannot create something different for yourself. And for a long time, I kept my mouth quiet. Like, no, 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 I got, I, I don't care what everyone else did, does. I, I got my kids. I love spending the most amount of time with my, with my family, with my kids. They are my, essentially my friends. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have friends. I could have a, a tight group of people that I could call upon at any one moment. Like, hey, I need you. Can you fly out here? Or I need you to back me up with this. They would do drop everything. But they've always known that I prioritize my family first in the interaction, the relationship. Yeah, I, I think when you have a, when you're a father, um, and obviously we've been taught over, we can talk a little bit about the, you know, uh, the, the emasculation of the father um, to some extent. I think over the last twenty years, uh, our role as fathers has been changed, and Robin will be the first one to tell you, like it's wrong what they've done to men in society, right? They give them xenoestrogens, estrogens, um, bad food, overstressed, and then everything is portraying a father as this like unavailable, like look at every TV show that you watch. Uh, and they are gradually working our role as fathers. And so when you, if you're so lucky to have a woman in your life and you're raising a family, take a role and the takeaway is like what role you want to have as a father, the relationships that you're raising your children with, what part you want to be in, you know, we homeschooled. So, and I did all the vast majority of man hours, but I was very, I was very clear with Robin, like, Hey, I want to help. So, but I don't have the energy to create curriculum, just plug like anatomy. I don't even have to study. Just plug me in. It's anatomy week. Go. It's history week. Go. And she always used to joke around because if I did it, it was intermittent. So it was always an ordeal. Like, all right, for history, we're going to dress up like Spartans this week and we're going to reenact the Battle of Thermopylae. And of course, it was like, oh, of course, you're super, you're like Disneyland dad. You can come in and do it with all this energy and gusto, but uh, it's not the same as being available every day. So we, she always used to joke around with that. So I think it's important that you realize that that what decisions you make as a father are going to impact the relationship. And I only see that now having gone through it as a 22 year old, 21 year old, an uh, 18 year old, like I laid the foundations for an open communication, but I'm also remembered that it was very important to me that they knew my struggles. I didn't really know. And my dad's still alive, but I didn't know what his struggles were. I didn't know what his desires were in life. I didn't know uh, when he was struggling. He never showed that. All I end up seeing with him is, you know, usually a few more Budweiser's is what I would see. Like, oh, dad's dad's having some trouble or you can give him distance, you know, if he had. Um, and so for me, it was important that I showed them that struggle, especially when when I was going through renal fatigue, I shared the depths of myself and and point Daniel, probably 12 woman. Yeah, that would have been about 12. That was 10 years ago, almost. I remember sharing like, Hey, dad's having a hard time. This is what I went through. And his mouth would be like, wow, wow, dad, that's really messed up. And so he would give me the support, even himself, like even a hug, like showing vulnerability to your kids, man, especially your older ones and showing it and then showing like, I ain't giving up. This is how I'm figuring this out. That speaks oodles to them, like grind it out. And I, even when Robin and I have challenges, as you, you know, being in a relationship, like 
showing them the struggle, let them letting them be in the room with a little bit of a heated dialogue isn't really a bad all that bad, especially if you're also come up with solutions in that and and you can see that they can see the relationship like relationships are up and down, but they keep you keep working at it. That's also a misconception. How many people want to, oh, we had a fight where I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good thing. So I think that kind of that kind of summarizes that. I mean, you you just went into a topic that I really want to talk about. I mentioned earlier that, you know, like eight months ago, I was yeah. separated from my wife um, due to being disconnected from my family and my wife because I being in the military, you you give, 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 give. And when you get home, you're like, man, I just want to be to myself. Right. And so right. Um, with that, you and Robin, correct me if I'm wrong, 25 years happily married. Yep. And so tell me how this has taken your relationship to a new level. You know, like right now for me and my wife, you know, I'm doing a lot of inner work. I'm, I'm kind of, like you said, you talked about men being emasculated, which we'll get into after this question, but um, I'm starting to come into my own on how I can contribute and how I can connect on a deeper level with not just my kids, but my wife. Um, how has this helped you evolve your relationship to a deeper level um, with Robin? So uh, both full timing um, and evolution with with what we've gone through, there's an increasing amount of presence, you know, and there's a lot of people that have different theories. Like you guys can both be standing on the ship and you're going in the same direction. We tend to be more of the mindset these days that are like you're both on your individual ship and you're driving together. You're like, okay, we're head, both headed this way. It might take us a little bit of, of meandering. You might go with some growth. Um, relationships sort of evolve especially having been as you well know um when you're when you're 19 years old and you're in a relationship at 21 like I was just a child I had no idea I had no idea really what I wanted and being a two since it's you're completely happy and satisfied by just pleasing people and giving and so that can create some challenges and it's created a lot of challenges right now but, you know, I have three older kids who are like, dad, go get yours. It's time. Go do it. Do it. Go get it. What do you want to be like? You've done it. We're there. We're good. And they have some challenges for sure. You know, it's a weird world for a 20 year old who believes and who has any kind of semblance of conservative values and like <laughs> and do it yourself and go entrepreneurial. That's that's it's a unique experience. But to go back to your question, like, how did it bring us together? Well, it was like a slap in the face, like uh, all the stuff we have. When your wife looks at you like, I don't need any of this. I want you, right? I want you. I want your presence. I want you to be emotionally present. I want you to have connection. I want us to have a vision for where we're going. And some of that change, some of that is still extremely challenging for me because I have a tendency to live in the moment. I'm like, okay, I got to follow this lead. I got to work with this person. But I'm like, where I'm going with that? Robin has a complete vision, as you know, an eight, like they will know exactly where they want to go and see into the future. Was it twos or threes? Three is certainly wants to get that status and make that. But as a two, like sometimes I'm like, no, no, well, I'm, I'm helping people. That's all I need. 
but I have to have a vision where I want to go. And as soon as I dial that in more and more, that's like, all right, so let's, let's game on. Let's, let's come together on this. And so it's giving you the, the sense to also be more present and figure out who you are as opposed to what you're accomplishing or what you're, what you're acquiring. And that's what this lifestyle has given me a chance to do. And also hover outside my own body, look down upon myself and go, all right, is that who I want to be right now? Or look upon the entire system and what's going on, seeing people that are still in the race and going, yeah, that's messed up. You know, I, I could see their family and also perceive like, how relationships could work. You know, we've seen many couples come together and apart in this time. And you can kind of see ways that they could have worked it out. And it's always sad when you go, it's just what they, what they were in that was causing so much conflict. You see so many relationships fail when things get tough, but it's also potentially because they're out of alignment. You know, alignment is one of the biggest things. I always tell some of my clients, though, anxiety is a gift. It's a signal that you are living out of alignment. All you must do is figure out what that alignment is. Um, and, and so that's giving me, giving me the chance to figure out who I am, what I want, um, and grow as a person, and then also have some goals and perspective. And still, I struggle, like home basing, like, okay, yeah, well, could we, could we get a place here? You know, I get into a place, I'm like, oh, yeah, I connect with the people here. And Ron was like, what are you doing again? Like, we don't, we don't need that. And I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I kind of, I understand where you're going because I feel like I'm a little bit more in my two, um, yeah. as I've, I've been more connected and more present of myself because I do get a lot of joy from helping other people and kind of putting my needs to the side. And and right. so like, you know, I heard um some a couple when we first started said, you know. I think RVing would be bad because your guys are in a closer space. It would amplify your problems and things of that nature. And I, I honestly tell you that it's, you know, we've, we've actually gotten closer. Uh, we were talking yesterday. It, it is coming to a point where we have to figure out, like you said, what are you building? Cause we're like in the same room a lot of the times. And, and, you know, you yeah. have to, like you said, figure your roles because um, this lifestyle, you are going to be with each other a lot. And right. if, you don't, if you don't know your roles, you could be spinning your wheels and you could, you could be just digging a deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, you, you, we mentioned many times throughout the podcast about uh, emasculation where the man, you know, where men have been going, what they're doing to men. Tell me more about that. And, and let's go down that path. Yeah. I, you know, I have a, a, a significant opinion and role that I think I play in empowering my males um, to redefine and connect with their mask. You could say divine masculine. You could say divine feminine. We we we're use some of the same terms. You start this coaching protocol. It's really interesting to me. I have these very very successful men who will show up, and this goes into a little bit of physiology. Will show up at my door, and everything about them is telling me like their testosterone is low. Right? They got they got they're carrying their weight a little bit differently. They have their their man boobs are, are, they're just, they're teary, they're weepy, they're overweight. Um, and, and they're, but they're providing for their family. And this is where that quiet suffering happens. And I go, okay, so I'm, I have your solution. This is how we're going to fix it. And so we start off with diet, getting your, getting your physiology to help your psychology, right? You got to get your physiology right to improve that. So we start doing all the steps, which includes eating a certain whole foods diet, not a low fat diet, 
um, <laughs> a lot diet, low in processed foods, uh, but high in good, healthy fat and cholesterol. And they'll kind of pump the brakes initially. And I always know where they stand when they go, well, you know, my doctor has me on this low fat diet because I've had blood pressure. I'm like, well, if you continue to do what you've always done, you're going to get the same results. Do you trust me or not? Yeah, yeah, okay, I trust you. Okay, this is what I want you to go do. And so we start off with their nutrition. And then little by little, we start permeating into like tapping into that, that masculine energy. Now, look, I'm not telling you, you go to go put a wife beater and abuse, physically abuse your wife and that makes you a man. No, that makes you the opposite of a man. That makes you a man that's, beat, that's been so beaten down that you're looking for anyone to, make, to, to push, to, to appease yourself. But I do want you to tap into whatever that primal being is. So whether it's hunting, fishing, um, uh, mixed martial, like to me, you know, lifting weights and, and, and my jujitsu, I feel very empowered grappling and it helps it to tie in. And I come back as a more level human father, right? And so that, that's a critical part of that. But to go deeper down that, like I said, uh, you know, everything is everything is conspiring to, to work us out of that system. I, you know, and I kind of can look back and I look back at to when um, Nixon took us off the gold standard. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we started to create fiat money, right. Money that's paper money that doesn't have value. It's not backed by gold, but at the same time, you can look back. This is where mono agriculture took off. And this is where we had fiat food. Food yielded great amounts, but didn't have much nutritional value. The fact that the vast majority of our of the world will not accept food from the U.S. it's criminal that they even feed it to us. And most people realize, like, only now starting to realize the poison that is the vast majority of our food. You have to take it. How come it's so hard to get food? So the food starts to bring us down. It's high in glyphosate. It's high, all the all the meats are high in estrogens. Look, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that if you are eating estrogen, most men are like, hey, estrogen, I don't think that's a good thing for men. <laughs> so that, that's brought us down. That's brought us yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. You take a high stress life, that's anytime cortisol is high, testosterone is low. Boom, more of a shot, right? And then you have a society which is devaluing the value of family, right? Devaluing the value of family and devaluing the role that the man has to have in the family. Right. I think this is this is what's it really blatant, like the, the whole falling apart of family. And why did that happen? Well, look, I was a what's known as a latchkey kid. You know, I had two working parents after I came home from school. I had the key wrapped around my neck. I let my brothers and sisters and I in. I would take care of them till my parents got off from work, which I remember two or three hours. Uh, that that would be it. Why did that happen? Well because there was a society changed in order for them to have the American dream two parents had to work and grind it out. Well, now you have two exhausted parents coming home from work. They didn't want, a, they, do they want a parent? Now that's not even as infants as infants. I remember a very young age, obviously a babysitter, obviously grandma was there. And that, if we didn't have grandma, I don't know how that would have worked. But as you do that, you see that over the last 20, 30 years. And I have a bird's eye view of children, 19, in 1997, um, we opened our facility. Well, we were starting as coaching. 99, we opened our own. <clears throat> we take that 20 years. I could see a broad spectrum of what was happening with families and children and fathers. You know, and the, most of the kids that I work with would only see their fathers, well, first off deployments. So the father would be gone. And then there's this awkward challenge for guys 
once they come back from deployments to be integrated back into the family once you've been out that long it's tough because yeah. now the potentially the mom or the dad whatever it is which i just saw both so i had to make sure i honor that um they would be like if we just figured this out without you we don't need you right now well, that's a tough spot to be in too as a father like freaking am i doing here yeah you know I- I remember my, my wife many times when I came back from underways and, and, and deployment, she was like, it's easier when you're gone. And, yes. and, and there was, it wasn't, I don't think she was being malicious with it, but she was like, it's easier when you're gone, when you're gone. Um, and that like kind of resonates with me. And, and what, what drives this question is like us as men, we take on a lot of things from our fathers who may not have right. had the tools and the capacity, the bandwidth to do that type of work. And that inner critic right. is there and it, and it, it kind of holds us back and it, and it, and it holds us back in the realm of integrating with our kids, being present with our kids, being right. short with our kids. And that's why, you know, when I, with my coaching practice, it's more of like, Hey, primal and divine. Like you said, are you, are you doing more primal things? Are you doing more divine things? Where do we need to supplement? Where do we need to get back into? Um, and, and are you doing too much, doing too little, so on and so forth. So I, I want to hit on your comment about the food system, because if, if people really take a look back on uh, processed foods right. back in the, back in the forties and fifties, the, the U S um, created the processed foods for the military to, to right. be overseas, right? They needed stuff to sustain uh, why they're fighting overseas. Well, they realized they had too much and it was a money game with being able to sell it to, to the United States. Right. And so, Our bodies, and I just had this conversation yesterday with another man, our bodies aren't made for that processed foods, like you're saying. And, you know, like nutrition, food is medicine. That that is what kind of drives, like you said, and and you're a nutritionist and and you could talk on this more than I can, but food is medicine and that drives where we go as human beings. Yeah. And, you know, getting down to your, getting down to your roots and figuring out getting as close as you can to the source of your foods is absolutely essential. Now, depending on your current, current health situation, you know, when you do evaluations as a coach, you're figuring out what their current state is for your GI, GI distress, emotional, you can make recommendations. The first part is to heal. Like most people, most people come to me that they need to heal in some way, their gut, their gut dysbiosis, and over overgrowth if they consumed any level of, of processed foods like all right i got to put you on a, a a cleanse a protocol to get the bad bacteria in under control and kill it essentially and then let your natural flora your microbiome um grow up now what get stronger grow and more proliferate what is this why is this so important people are like well, well cut microbiome so i'm a little gassy you know whatever i'm like no it's more than that the vast majority of your neurotransmitters are generated in your gut and they go okay well neurotransmitter goes over my head what does that mean well neurotransmitters have to do with you feeling good emotionally and all of a sudden ding wait we'll go back hit that up again and, I, and I'll say, look, if your gut is off and you're gassy and bloated all the time, it will have a negative impact on your positive emotional state, right? You will a little bit more, but still, you're going to feel the hypothalamus is critical for feeling every emotion. And every one of those emotions is sent down through your vagus nerve to every one of your major organs. And so it'll downregulate 
your genes depending on what your current emotional state is. So if you're chronically pissed off, sitting in traffic, frustrated with home life and not feeling good, it's going to eventually have a negative impact on your gut. The trick is people don't realize that eventually you have enough of that negative feedback loop that your gut starts, your liver or your gut starts having a negative feedback loop and starts keeping you grumpy over and over. So all of a sudden your nutrition has impacted your state to a point where you are no longer in control of your emotions. And that's a tough part for people to get because they think they're always like, should I got this? I got this. I'm like, no, no, it's probably keeping you that. So, you know, your, your personality becomes your personal reality. <laughs> and that's Dr. Joe Dispenza. So I love Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's helped me to kind of help him. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll go down that rabbit hole. And this is where that mindfulness will come in with guys because we got to really have a powerful opportunity to sit down and go, who do I want to become? And am I the person I want to be? If you're not the person you want to be, yes, you have to reflect. It's okay to be like, oh, it's okay. I always tell my guys this way, Alex. I go, look, this is a hug and a kick in the butt at the same time. This is your hug. I got you. It's rough, but here's your kick in the butt. We can't sit and wallow in that. We got to forecast that third eye and that vision of our brain. Like, okay, what, do want, what kind of father do I want to be? What kind of career do I want to have? And this is where we need to spend most of our time and see that in great detail to get yourself out of that hole. Most of the time I tell people, look, the first step is to get your head above water and stop drowning. The next step is to start having you swim to an island. Like what island you want to go to? Yeah. And, and that's so powerful. A lot of men feel like they have to do this alone, but yeah. in reality, like the, the, um, the days of the lone wolf are over. Like we, as right. men, we're stronger when we come together. We're stronger when we hold each other accountable. We're stronger when we acknowledge what we're feeling. Let that drive us in the sense of like, Hey, I don't want to be there again. What, like you said, what do I want to do? How do I want to do that? Um, and, and a lot of people feel like there's weakness when you open up to, to other men. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is a potential. They do feel like that, but that's just what we've been really trained to do, right? Like what train not to. And look, I'm not necessarily saying you're going to take your homie out and drive. It's so sad. Like, look, it doesn't have to be that way. We can show emotion. Um, some of the strongest men that I've known that I look up to will show it like, hey, I'm, I'm feeling really low. Like, that's all it takes. And so I encourage any man to be like, you have a friend because what do we say? Like if I, if I, if I came across you on the street, this is the general consensus. And I know this because uh, I work with people so many years, 19 years old, they work with a trainer. Hey, how are you doing today? And what do guys say? I'm good, man. I'm good. And I'll be like, no, 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 no. How are you doing today? And then the, if I, if I do it in that way, oftentimes it'll be like, oh man, Yeah. I got work's really killing me right now. I got this kid at home who's struggling with this and this. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Like, yeah, I, I feel you. You know, you empathize a little bit and the impacts that I can make on it. And I'm like, okay, so having you having shared that, this is the kind of exercise program you need for the day. Because, you know, we're used to working out. It's like, okay, no pain, okay, no let's do this. And this is why nobody does workout. No one exercises or movement. <laughs> because like they, have, they know they think I have to go to, to failure. Yeah. The whole point is that with exercise and movement is that it's a marathon and not a sprint. And so we don't want to burn you out. We want to enhance your mental and cognitive function, that bare minimum. 
Did it invigorate you? Yes. Check. Did it get your hormones right? Check. Yeah. You, you flip the trigger to, to send a, a signal to your growth hormone that signaled a little testosterone to keep you that masculine. Did it, did you get a little bit of a play theory in there? Did you feel playful in your activity so that you can, you can lose yourself in that? All right. Check. And like, are you going to be energized instead of drained? That's so those are the big things when I create a movement pattern in people, uh, depending on their goals. Now, look, if they tell me they want to, they want to be the Mr. Olympia, well, like, guess what? You're going to have to go to failure. Um, but if you're just trying to be healthy and well, um, and be there for your family, it doesn't take as much as you think. Um, it does take some learning to make sure you can flip those triggers and challenge enough tissue that you can systematically like continue to challenge. But you know, if you, to me, if the goal is tired, I always use burpees as an example. I'm like, go do hundred burpees. If you just want to be tired, hundred burpees will work, oh, yeah. but it ain't necess- it, but it's not necessarily going to bump up your testosterone because that would re- be more in the, aligned with high intensity interval training and high intensity interval training has a different goal. So Again, I, got, I always get bring it back to exercise and movement because it's such a feasible first step. Are you moving? Are you yeah. eating right? Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think that there's many benefits of working out. So as I mentioned earlier, I started 75 hard. And I can honestly look at you, Victor, and say over the course of my 10 years, I've been married almost 11 years now, but the, the previous 10 years, I call that my past life, right? Because that's where I was disconnected. I wasn't really doing what I needed to do as a man, as a father, as a husband. And so when I got married, I got complacent. I stopped working out. I was in, a, I was in peak physical condition. I was stationed in San Diego. Everything you're talking yeah. about, I, I know where it's at. Like I relate to you. And I was at the gym. I was going to the beach. Like I was in good shape. Then I got married and I was like, oh, you know, I have my wife. Don't don't really need to do any of that anymore. And <laughs> in my, so you, you experienced this in your thirties. I didn't, I, I don't know if I would label it as a, adrenal fatigue, but probably a lot of things that I was experiencing were very similar to adrenal fatigue. When we left San Diego and we went to Italy, that's where it got the worst for me. I had to go see a, um, a psychiatrist, a mental health professional because I was depressed. I had a lot of anxiety. I was tired all the time. There was no interest. I, like it, yeah. I, I was struggling. And then I, I bring that back to now and I started working out again uh, and, and being consistent. And I realized that I neglected a lot of myself and with movement. Yes, there's the there's the benefits health wise, but movement helps us get out emotions, too. And a lot oh, of yeah. men, a lot of men struggle emotionally on like having that healthy outlet. Yeah. And, you know, that goes back, speaks oodles. And so there's lots of different movement practices, depending on the amount of stress that a person that a person is encountering and what their symptoms are. uh, You know, a walk could be enough. Um, Stretching could be enough. MFR, myofascial release, you know, just laying on a foam roller, like could be enough. Everyone is completely different. But the the biggest thing is like, love yourself enough to do something to take that first step, um, get, just get off the couch, make, make a choice, wake up one day and say, I'm making this choice. I'm important. I'm going to do this. Uh, and, and find what resonates, you know, people I say, well, what's the best, what's the best thing? Or they always say like, you know, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, why, why do you want to know? That's my first question. I'm like, cause what I do is nurtured from 
from, you know, back in sixth, my program doesn't look a whole lot different than when I was in sixth grade. It's major barbell movements. I happened to get it at a time when I, I truly enjoy it and it empowered me. You know, I was an abused kid. So someone gave me a weight, a weight set. And I was like, no, one's going to hurt me. I'm going to be so strong. No one can hurt me. It doesn't surprise me that I get to my mid thirties and I'm like, I'm pulling almost 500 pounds off the ground at five foot, nothing at, you know, 180 pounds. And I, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this isn't doing what it used to do. I cannot be strong enough because strength matters and strength is important, but you have to have the ability, those compensations realize that sometimes the compensations that we make in that we have in life don't always serve us. And so, so while, Exercise is absolutely critical. What that looks like for an individual, you get to define. It does have to happen, but you get to define it. How do you define it? By those triggers, like, do I feel good? Do I look, do I look in a way that makes me feel good? Um, I certainly have, with my clients, I make recommendations like, hey, I fully expect you to be able to do 10 pull-ups you know, in a year. And they'll be like, well, I've never done any. Well, yes, that's where we're going. And I want to be able, you have to be able, it's the same sort of thing as like being in the military. You should be able to do, bust out 40 or more push-ups, you know? And, and aside from that, then, then we get to define like, okay, well, I'm pretty happy with where I am physically. Do I want to, do I really want to get leaner? And is it worth the investment? And I'm like, well, you know, most of my, most of my numbers support, if you're within, if you're in the teens and body composition as a male, like you're good. If you want to be leaner, we can do that. But is it necessary? Not necessarily. Actually, I always tell the guys like, you know, those lean people that you see on stage or in the movies, they feel like they generally feel like garbage. That's yeah. why they look out there. It's not it's abnormality. You know, it's like they have and they're usually on gear. They're usually doing stuff to look good on screen. And so that they always talk about, you know, that, that they have this double standard in in that women are held to this high standard. I'm like, have you watched the movies? Yeah. Most of those, everyone that we see is on gear and that's like an artificial expression of what men are supposed to look like that's not completely natural so that's that's a side topic but that can kind of get into the pressure that because i see it on both sides male and female yeah i um i uh, was listening to a channing tatum um interview the other day well my wife was and i just tuned in a little bit and uh it was interesting that the woman had asked him like you know what do you do to get so fit like he's like i don't eat and she's like, well, yeah. when you're hungry. What, what are you hungry? When you're hungry, what do you do? And he's like, I, I don't eat. <laughs> and he was yeah. like, when, you know, when I do these roles, like I, he's like, I Magic have to, Mike, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I have to cut down so much. He's like, I'm, I'm hungry, but I, you know, like I starve myself. And then, you know, once he yeah. makes his millions, he goes and, you know, for a couple months, takes time off or whatever the case may be. But it, you're right. You know, there's this misconception, like this is how we should be with, with movies. Yeah, yeah. At any rate, like it's, it speaks to me, a, a happy medium. And this is what the fitness industry has done really good things. It makes fit people fitter. That's it. Because in the we have a problem here in the US that like 50% of adults are overweight. And what was it? Gosh, I, I think the obesity number was ridiculous. Yeah, it was probably closer to to that number. I think I probably get them wrong, but like the obesity rate amongst adults, like this is obese, not just overweight, is is ridiculous. And like two thirds, two thirds of them, I think, are, are or I'm sorry, it's probably closer to forty percent, you know, that are still dealing with 
with high levels of obesity, children's obesity is now an issue. Like, come on, like guys, it's in front of us. And they just think we can't just take a pill to fix this. We need to take it upon ourselves, take our sovereignty back as adults, demand the food that we want. And then also really you can impact your children for the rest of their lives by what you teach them from a nutritional standpoint. Then they will have the mental capacity to give them. Like I always I always tell my kids, like, if I give you anything, it's to find a joy of love and movement and to care what goes in your body. Yeah, it's um, that's something that I, I definitely would love to have you on. And, and we talk more about nutrition and, and yeah. uh, that aspect, because there's so much more to that, um, that that we could we're just we're just brushing the surface here. I yeah. have a, I have a, a couple more questions because I know we're running short on time. Sure. If you could go back. If you could take it back to the very beginning, um, and I use your example because that's your experience. If you had advice for yourself, what would it be? So, like, I, I, I will kind of put more into this question. You got, you got a couple, or you have someone that's on the, the fence about RVing, full time RVing, and they're like, uh, you know, like the stability, like they have all the traditional mindsets, like I mentioned to you. Yeah, yeah. If you could go back and give yourself some advice in regards to like either what you would do differently or what you wish you knew so on and so forth yeah what would that be for yourself or if you had advice for those uh people that are just thinking about it so if i had advice for anyone that was thinking about going into full-time RVing, is that is is probably um a couple i two things come to mind one is act as if you can't fail don't do it with trepidation go all in right and I have a gentleman when I was first starting to do this, because Robin always gave me a hard time because I was always have had one hand in this world and one hand for the longest time, right? I'd be like, okay, I got to keep my business. And I full-time RB. That was really challenging, but it's tough. We just like, you can't, you, if, you, if you're holding on right here to the pint, you can't grab the court, right? And so you have to let go sometimes of what's in the past so that you can grab this bigger, more full, full container and so i would i would definitely recommend you have also defined expectations and what you want from it because like you said you can take your problems and put them in a it's like you take your problems and take them on the road like it's not going to solve everything it will amplify in some ways amplify certain things if you haven't dealt with it so really important on what your expectations are for us it was clear that we wanted to experience now if you're just going to stay like right now where you're kind of in place that works too but make sure you have it because there might be one person that wants freedom and see things and you're like just parked in a and right now we're in a in a and it's a trailer park but the people are kind and it works to keep us in this town someone could have an issue with that because you expect like oh i expect to be in these off-grid locations all the time well really okay let's make sure we have that so define your expectations and then do it just do it all out like you you act as if you can't fail because Everything that I've encountered right now that has led to any challenges is linked to my inability to be like trying to do be safe, be safe, be safe. Like, dude, why, why do I keep doing this? Because it just locks me in the corner. And the more I open up and even talk to more and more people, the more it's like, yeah, people needed to hear this. And so act as if you can't fail and, and define your expectations, I think would be my two biggest things. Okay. Um, and then lastly, you're a health and wellness coach, you're a mindset coach, like you do it all. If this, 
podcast resonates with anyone, how can they get a hold of you, Victor? How can they, your website, your IG, all of that, awesome. how can they get, get, get a hold of you? So, so uh, Nomads with a Purpose is our travel blog. You can track our, our family adventures, get to know my family. Um, that would be the first spot that you can go uh, and look on all social medias. If you're looking for coaching uh, and potentially looking to transform your life, make some changes, but you still can't, or, or maybe you're on the right track, but can't figure it out, can't hold yourself accountable, Coach Victor Robledo um, on IG is probably the best place to find me. You can find me through Nomads with a Purpose as well um, and YouTube as well. I create some content there, uh, but that is probably the easiest places to find me. And I think the biggest thing I want to leave with everyone is like, again, one short life to live. I have Memento Mori. I have it written down on my, on my cabinet. So when I wake up, it's the first thing I see. Memento Mori, Latin for you will die. <laughs> and I remind myself every day, regardless of the mistakes that I make, I look at that and go, I'm mortal. This is going to come to an end. Am I doing what I want to squeeze out of this life? And so, to me, that's like a slap in my own face every morning to remind me, am I, am I giving my family? Am I doing service to myself? Am I honoring my wife? Am I living? Am I going to give something? I want to leave this world better than I got it. And, and that's a challenge right now because the way things are sliding, it doesn't look like it's getting better. It's going to be challenged, but it can be a very powerful, it can be a very powerful time to be alive. We're lucky to be here. It'll be, we're going to get this grand more awakening to what's like oh man there was all this stuff going on like remember that time when we live the, the way we see life has only been around what 80 90 years this grind lifestyle uh, we have we could probably track three ancestors back and like oh it was totally different yeah so this is this is really coming to an end it's going to revamp and what we're going to see it is going to see this the world sort of vibrate at a, a higher range instead of seeing so many so much sadness and that's going to change. Absolutely. I just want to say thank you so much for your time. You really resonate with what I am building. Uh, you know, you all are an inspiration awesome. to my, my family. And I look forward to uh, building our relationship professionally, personally. Um, and, and maybe one day we run into each other at a, at a RV park or, or off grid. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to get together as I build this. I think I, more and more, um, those are the things, those are the things that we want. I lost you. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. As we build this out and, and make greater connections with people, that's my greatest excite, excitement. It excites me to meet more like-minded people, more like-minded coaches and get everyone aligned. Like to me, that's just, that's, that's sort of what I'm here for is Robin always tells me like what you have is sometimes an intangible, like you can bring people together in a manner that's, that's, that's approachable. And so this is what, what I think is going to be the goal. I want to create a group of men where we come together and not only talk about stuff, but also give them simple steps. And that's, that's simple steps that they could do to regain back their life, regain their solitary, define their masculinity and live a healthy long life with their families. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And um, it's exciting. You know, like I, I, I get excited when I hear you say that, um, Victor, like I said, I appreciate your time and, and look forward to the next time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Best of luck here.